coming to you from beautiful Santa Barbara, California. Promoting peace, healthy living, and happiness. It's the Peace Podcast with host Barbara Gon Mueller. Welcome. I'm Barbara Gon Mueller, and you're in for a treat today. This is peacepodcast.org for happiness, peace, and healthy living. And you know what makes our life work? It works because we've been educated. I would predict that almost everybody on this Zoom call today and watching us has an education. Aren't you lucky? You can read a book. You can pay attention to what needs to be done. You can go to Siri and ask something and get Google to search on it. You can read it. What if you were one of the 75 million children in crisis who are not being educated today? What would happen? Well, the United Nations has come to the rescue. They have a wonderful program headed by Yasmin Sheriff. The Director of Education cannot wait. And is that not the truth? As Global Fund for the Free Delivery of Education in Emergencies, and in humanitarian crises. And you all know we're going through it today. Education Cannot Wait is working with the United Nations, that wonderful organization that's our global voice, the voice of the people, the voice of the world. And we are so lucky that we have Jasmine today to talk about the 75 million children in desperate need. And how is she going to take the human rights, her 30 years as a lawyer, and bring all of this together? How does she do that? And I guess you're going to find out because she's the author of the book, The Case for Humanity, An Extraordinary Session. And in the middle of this today, she's going to talk about hearing Robert Mueller, my late husband, how he inspired her. I believe we all can inspire. So, Yasmin, may I just say thank you for joining us today and welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much, Barbara. And you inspire me, just like your husband did. Uh, it's incredible how those energies are just spreading from your home. Uh, I am I, a human rights lawyer. Um, just a quick background. My father was from Egypt. My mother is Swedish. And I was born and I grew up in Sweden. Um, I felt it was a little bit too small. And um, I grew up with sort of a very international atmosphere. And very early in life, uh, I, 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 was, I was encouraged to have great role models like uh, Martin Luther King, um, Eleanor Roosevelt, Nelson Mandela, Rosa Parks. These were like the role models that were imprinted on me as a child. And so I, I, I had two choices when I was young, either because I have an artistic side, did I want to go out and make movies or did I want to become a human rights lawyer? It was like these two choices. So I said, okay, I'll do my artistic side things as a hobby and maybe one day I'll make it for real, but I'm, I'm gonna invest. I want to be a human rights lawyer and I want to go to the United Nations because that brings the whole world together and, and it gives me a chance to be of service to those who are left really furthest behind in the most sort of abnormal circumstances of conflict, crisis, wars, because I felt like if anyone is left furthest behind, it's them. I need to go to them, not only to be of service, but to learn from them. And as I, as I, as I studied law and got ready, I, I was told by everybody, yeah, but it takes 25 years to go into the UN. You have to work in foreign service first for three decades. 
I was like, no, I don't have patience for that. I want to, I want to do one and I want it now. So um, I started writing letters to the UN uh, in Geneva, in Switzerland. That was the closest um, to Sweden. New York was a bit further away back then. Uh, and I got, no, 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 no one answered me. And then I just kept, I just kept banging on those doors, sending my letters. And then one day I decided I'm going to make this a very formal letter. And I figured that the, the undersecretary general heading the Human Rights Center was Swedish. So I said, you know what, if I write it in Swedish and put it in a brown envelope, this is well before emails, it, it, no one in his front office will know what is in it. They can't read it. So they have to bring it to him. It might be a very urgent letter. <laughs> so I put it and neatly done and I wrote and wrote about my passion for human rights in the United Nations, sent it. And then after that, I, I went traveling just to see more of Europe and, and also to visit my father who lived back in Egypt and my parents were divorced. And then suddenly my mother calls and she says, listen, Yasmin, Yasmin, they're contacting you from the, the Center for Human Rights in the UN in Geneva. They, they, they want you to call them. So I, as soon as I landed in Stockholm again, I just called them and they said, it was some administration staff answer. She said, well, wait a moment, you know, I'll check it out. Mm. Yes, you know, um, you have been assigned as an intern here with Mr. So-and-so in the special procedure branch in the Human Rights Center for an internship for six months, I tell you. That evening, I went out dancing all night with my friends. <laughs> And uh, before I knew it, I, I, I lived in Stockholm. I had just finished my studies and traveled a bit. And I, I had an apartment that my grandmother had given to me. And uh, I gave it to my sister. I sold everything in my apartment for $300. and bought my train ticket, <laughs> packed two suitcases, and jumped on the plane. And no, train. I couldn't afford plane those days. Uh, on the train. And I was thinking, where am I going in life? I'm sitting in two suitcases. Uh, I'm, I'm leaving. And um, I, I landed there to do my internship. And as you go into the UN there, the Palais de Nation is big. It's a beautiful building. There is a little bookstore as you enter. And I'd go in there and, you know, just surf the books, you know, scan them. And I came across um, a number of books by someone called Robert Muller. And I liked the titles of his books. So I looked a bit closer. And the first book I picked up was of all they taught me, they taught me happiness. So I'm gonna buy, I didn't have much money. Huh? I was a poor intern, so I'm gonna invest in this book. So I bought it and I started reading. And it's like this positive energy, this idealism, this belief, this confidence. And this was not a small guy, he was an assistant secretary general. I have to trust this man because I really felt the energy coming. So I started buying all his books. I didn't have much money, but whatever. I said, like, I, I want to eat tomorrow. I'll buy his book instead. And so I started reading all his books. And he, he sort of ignited this. I had the fire in me, but he's it's like, he has put, poured all oil on earth into that fire. And I was like, well, I'm inspired. And I, I really believed everyone in the UN was like Robert Mueller, <laughs> which I would soon discover, not everybody. <laughs> he was like, he stood out and there were some great people, but he certainly stood out because there was um, an idealist that was so untouched by cynicism. He refused to give in to cynicism. 
So he became my, my really first role model in the UN. I never met him. And then I started working for the UN. I was fortunate to have some really good bosses in my early years who had some of that, you know, the dreams from the time of Robert Mueller, because he, he came in the, the UN quite early when the UN was still idealistic. And I, I, so my, 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 my early bosses were from that generation and they inspired me. And uh, that's how it went. And you know, Yasmin, I'm, you know, you were an intern at the United Nations because of a dream. You wanted to work for the United Nations. And I believe in all my heart that your dreams come true. So dream big people who are listening to this podcast at peacepodcast.org. Dream the biggest dream you possibly can. Now imagine Yasmin wanting to work with you. Imagine my husband when he was 18 at the University of Strasbourg. His dream was to work for a global organization that would spend their life working for peace. He got an intern at the United Nations in the first group of interns at the UN. And when he went there, he said, my dream is becoming real. I'm working for peace on the planet through the global voice of the United Nations. And one, one ambassador came in, what are you doing here, young man? And Robert said, I've come to work for peace. He said, I pity you because this won't last five years. And he said, I'll see you at the 50th anniversary of the UN. And we were there. Yasmin, did you know how important dreams are? How important your inspiration is today? You may inspire millions of people today just by your words. How did you get to become a human rights lawyer? Let's talk about that because December 10th is Human Rights Day. Well, I'll be honest with you. Um, first of all, I love your talk about dreaming because I look back on my life. I'm 58 today, uh, 57. I always forget. I have to wait another six months and I'm 58 or seven. Uh, I'm 57. And I think I've been a dreamer all my life, but not just a dreamer. I, I would have a vision and I know it takes work to make a dream come true. But somehow I look back and I say, I feel so blessed because it's all come true. Maybe not exactly the way I wanted it. Often there is a higher plan, bigger plan than you even can conceive. But I have a, a motto in life that goes, dive deep, dive deep, go inside yourself, dive deep, dream, dare, do. Absolutely. And, go yeah. ahead, and... So, Humanized lawyers. So I said I had an artistic streak, which means all artists are very sensitive. Okay, so I am a sensitive person by nature. Um, they call me an empath. I feel a lot for other people. Uh, I'm sensitive. I even see someone hurting an animal, I start crying and I get angry. You know, I I can't even kill a fly because even you know it's just like I can't. It's living. Even my I speak to my flowers. Uh, so, so, but I also, you know, you know, I studied history, you know, on my spare time and you see the injustices in this world, the suffering. Uh, um, and I was quite, you know, reminded of that as, as, as in my upbringing. And I felt there was a lot of injustice in this world and it hurt me, it pained my heart. And I also knew that I, I'm a strong person. I suffered my share as well. And that makes you strong, by the way. Um, so... And I'm a believer. So I felt like, you know, I think it wasn't Schwarzer who said that the greatest thing you can do in the world is to be of service to others. And I felt that it was a calling. I had to be there and defend those who suffer. I had to speak for them and empower them to speak for themselves. 
I just want to be in this world to do good and justice. Justice is very important to me. And that's how I started reading about history and learning about injustices, how I developed also an admiration for Eleanor Roosevelt for struggles to get the Universal Declaration for Human Rights through. So they used to be a woman back then. Absolutely. Or Rosa Parks who refused to give up. Oh. See, Jeff, yeah. we like women like that. And you know, you think about the women who have been and who have really created history, and there's no way we've honored them. So you and I are going to work on getting an Eleanor Roosevelt Day, a Rosa Parks Day, and some of the other great women. It's time. It's time that the women have a day. And well, anyway, you have inspired me. And I hope that you are listening to Yasmin tell you about the United Nations, which was her dream. And it came true. Once you get your dream fulfilled, then your work begins. So how did your work begin at the United Nations? And how did education can't wait, cannot wait, get started? Was it you that did that? Okay, I'll try to make a very long story short. So I went to Geneva, I was there for a couple of years, then they asked me if I want to go to Afghanistan, I was 26 years old, it was 1990, the Russians had just pulled out, I came in the middle of a war, Mujahideen bombing Kabul, there were 75 rockets a week, that's how I got my cutting my teeth into the world of wars. And after that I went to work in Cambodia and peacekeeping operation, I was in the war in the Balkans, um, I, I, I think I worked in most uh, continents of war. No, you just said yes. I can do oh, it. Yeah, you yeah, have because power. you say yes. You yes, know, uh, yes. you, you know, and I'm sure your your husband would have known him very well. But Doug Hammarskjöld, the the, for, the second secretary general, he, he he always said there was another one of my heroes. You never say no. You say yes. You say yes to life. Say yes to service. Say yes. You don't question. I remember once when I was interviewed for a job. And they said, you can either go to Cambodia or you can replace somebody. We have a big peacekeeping mission uh, in New York. Where do you want to be? I, I, my answer was, and that's how I nailed the job. I didn't think it that way. It just came naturally. I want to go where I can be best of service. It just came naturally. So I ended up going to Cambodia. <laughs> I ended up going to New York later on. I spent many years in New York and I love this city. Anyway, um, so I've gone through all this. I worked in all this. I worked in the Middle East. I worked in, in Africa. I worked in uh, the Balkans. I worked in New York many years. I've traveled to South America, to all these countries. I, I've traveled to many countries on missions. I, 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 th I think the UN gave me a chance to see, see suffering, but not only see it, actually do something. And that's why I like the UN. The UN gives you the tools and the platform to actually give something to the world. Uh, and that's why I like working for the United Nations. I also love the fact that there is a UN charter. With that charter, I, I dare to say anything in that charter and no one can silence me this 193 member states have agreed to this you don't agree with it right now here now but you did agree once upon a time and i'm going to hold it close to my heart the same with the universal education for human rights education cannot wait i have to give the credit um, to a, 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 a great politician uh, and that is gordon brown the former prime minister of the united kingdom um, who has always had a strong passion for education besides being just a brilliant mind uh, very brilliant um, and he started a campaign in two, well early 2000 he said you know all these non-UN organizations outside the UN that are delivering education they're very bureaucratized and it takes time to deliver to children in crisis and he estimated 75 million children and adolescents in crisis they never get to see anything of that so he, he his fist on the table and said 
education cannot wait. And then, as persuasive politician as he is, and good human being, he's the son of a preacher, he um, persuaded many governments, UN organizations, UNICEF above all, but many others, and civil society to make a drive campaign to create a global fund called Education Cannot Wait. And then they got that through. There was a World Humanitarian Summit in Istanbul in 2016. Good political mind. He got it adopted by all governments and UN agencies. And then it was agreed it would be placed in UNICEF because UNICEF is very strong on education and emergencies. And then they had to find somebody. So he said they got an executive search firm and they said, he said, I want somebody who is disruptive, who is not bureaucratized, who has a vision, who moves and shakes things, who has the courage and experience to do this and build and make a difference on the ground. So someone said, oh, we know somebody like that. <laughs> and they put my name in, they contacted me and I said, education cannot wait, what is this? This is not serious. But I decided I'll give it a shot. And then Gordon Brown, I learned and they said, no, 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 you're gonna be out and really rally the world. And that's how I got on. And I can say four years into our startup, we, had, we started as a, like a two-seater plane. We are a jumbo jet today. Um, we, we mobilized and leveraged about $1.8 billion. Uh, we are delivering um, through UN agencies and civil society in 38 countries affected by climate-induced disaster, conflict, and refugees. We are one of the fastest growing initiatives in the history of the UN, at least the history that I know since 1990, um, and certainly uh, the biggest success story from the World Humanitarian Summit. And you're doing the work that is needed. That's what's so important. We need everyone everyone to have that opportunity for education. It cannot wait. I would have pounded my fingers on the table too and told people, wait a minute, when you're educated, the world is opened up. We did a conference in Santa Barbara called The Invitational, and that's how I met Robert. And when he replied to the invitation, it said, I will attend with enthusiasm. And that stop. I said, a man who says at the top of the world at the University for Peace in Costa Rica, I will attend with enthusiasm. And you know, Yasmin, you are enthusiastic. I am enthusiastic. And women who are enthusiastic have a power beyond belief because people are, but this enthusiasm inspires others to be braver, to take that risk, to do as you said, to dive in and do it with a great smile and be there. So when Robert said, I will attend with enthusiasm, I realized that he had the spark, that spark that kept the United Nations. And it really did provide a foundation for peace and it provided a foundation for 11 of the permanent agencies. And I have a feeling that if you keep this up, my darling, you could be the secretary general. We need you. Uh, you know, Robert wrote the book, um, the first woman secretary general of the United Nations. She was from India. But I have a feeling about you, Jasmine, and I'm a Hungarian. We know things. And don't be surprised if you work yourself right into the position that I've been praying for a woman to join at the top because a woman can lead with her heart, her mind, etc. Just put that in your thoughts because you are a global citizen. You are amazing. You are amazing and you, you put me on fire right now. <laughs> well, first of all, that's very kind of you to say, but I, I, I mean, if the opportunity came, I wouldn't say no. However, I have dreams still that have to be fulfilled. I have a huge dream 
to write my second book uh, and make a movie in Hollywood about humanity. I've already working on the prototype on that. I want to let my artistic streak out. I want to inspire. I want to be a motivational That's speaker. Inspired. I want to do so many other things as well. And I but want you know to what? The world, when you have a dream, Yasmin, I know that when you have that dream, you put it out there, some invisible forces come forth. I, I can I, tell I you. Agree. I agree. I agree. I agree. Invisible could. forces don't let you get away with not having your dream fulfilled if it's going to serve the world. And you are definitely doing that. Now, I know people are saying, my God, is that woman something else? Okay, they want to know more about education. Can't wait. Where will they go to find out what to do about it? They go on our website. Yes, educationcannotwait.com. Yes, go and search educationcannotwait.com. You okay. will find uh, we have the most amazing website in the whole UN system. We are not competing. We love the UN system. We work closely with the UN Public Information Department, the UN uh, Noon Briefings. We love the UN, but we are a little bit of an odd odd thing in the middle of all this and we are very proud to bring that light and glory to the united nations because we believe in the united nations without the u.n what word would we have where, well, where would we dialogue where would our dreams come from for a better word human rights so on our website don't forget that we are part of the un so whatever you like about education cannot wait give that credit to the united nations give the united nations a heck of a lot of credit i was oh, yeah. at the 50th anniversary with my darling husband robert who passed away on the eve of the international day of peace that he created with david yeah. september oh. september 21 and on september 20 2010 he passed away but on his tomb it says he spent his life working for peace and if you want to know more of what you can do go to robertmuller.org and look at the 7500 ideas and dreams for a better world this booklet that he did the 7500 ideas and dreams yeah. for a better world, all 10 volumes in the middle is the framework for our global knowledge and the framework for a global education and it starts yeah. in a planetary home and goes through human grouping if you want to know more about that just go to barbara Mueller and you'll find me there on peacepodcast.org and i'll send you the world core curriculum and you too and i will give it to you at jasmine so yasmin so that you can put it on your peace your education can't wait website because it talks about from the infinitely small to the grandiose universe. And I remember this little first grader saying to her mom, mom, do you know that we're a part of the universe? And that's what education is. It opens up your eyes to the world and to the universe. Absolutely. And it's an education of the mind, the heart and the soul. And that's why it's so important to give every child in a conflict or as a refugee a quality education because they have enormous resilience. They have suffered a lot. And if you can take that resilience through a good education, they will need nobody to help them. They will help the world. Education is a ticket to a future. Mm. Education is the ticket to our world solving its problems. We are all born with a destiny. Just think about all of the people who aren't with us today, but think about what their spirits have left with us. And that's yeah. why she likes Robert Mueller. That's why I loved Robert Mueller, because he always had this uplifting way around. He would say, yes, 
Let's do that with enthusiasm. And so if you're going to do something, do it with enthusiasm. And if you're going to say no, just say no, not now. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you're not going to do it with enthusiasm or passion, let's not do it. Because you're just going to make it worse. Bring your positive energy out there and universe will respond. And let me say that I have a favorite quote by German philosopher Goethe. He said, when you make a commitment, universe conspires to assist you. I'm with you 1000%. You know, I just cannot believe all the miracles that keep happening in my life. And I think it's because I'm in total gratitude for people like you, Yasmin. Well, I'm in gratitude for people like you. You know, you really inspire me. And I want to say that. And by the way, do you have a Twitter account? Mine is Yasmin Sharif one. Can I get yours? Because I'm going to send a beautiful picture of this podcast out and thank you. Thank you. I'm going to take so a what is your Twitter? I'm going to, my Twitter account is Barbara M, Barbara Mueller SB. Barbara Mueller SB. Let me send this and I will make sure that the whole of education cannot wait circulates it. Okay. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Mm, we, want, we want to tell the world about this podcast. We have to, we have to. And now I have an app. So you go to the app store and you can get Peace Podcast. 81 peacemakers like Yasmin are now on my app. It's ah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. I love your, I love your imagination, passion, and your life. Thank you. And it's Barbara Mueller SB is my Twitter account. S.S. Simon like Bobby. Santa Barbara. Barbara, M-U-L-L-E. A Santa Barbara, of course. For SB. And you know, I am finding out that Twitter reaches people quickly like that. And yes, yes. Twitter is very powerful now. It's your inspiration. This Peace Podcast, I started mm. after Robert passed away, and I realized that people have something to say. And I get their story. Look at Jack. Yes. Wouldn't you like to just have lunch with her? You would not even eat. You'd be so enthusiastic. But this is why we do peacepodcast.org, to inspire you to be what you were born to be. Don't let anything get in your way. Take away those negative thoughts. Bring the positive, And let's do it together because everything is a gift. And that you're here today, Yasmin, is the gift of my life today. And I am so grateful to you. And I'm so grateful for all of you who are watching. Yasmin, if you had a dream for the world, what would it be? If I had a dream, a dream for our planet today. I mean, I know it sounds um, a little bit uh, outworn, but we haven't achieved it, so it can't be outworn. Love, peace, justice, compassion, humanity, positive energy. To become conscious as human beings and all that we were meant to become as individuals and as a human family. Woo. I'm Barbara Gahn Mueller. Those words are in my heart and they will stay for a very long time because they are the words that Robert Mueller, myself, and all the people who want peace on our planet need to hear. Be sure you spend some time with the people who you love. Bring them this Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for the many followers who watch Peace Podcast and you can now get the app, Peace Podcast app, and listen to those 81 people who have spent their life working for peace and you'll find Yasmin right at the top and she's under human rights. I'm Barbara Gunn Mueller thanking you for joining us. Join us each week as you listen to the inspiration of people like Yasmin. And Yasmin, may I say thank you? I, I am the one who should be thanking you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Education cannot wait and you're going to make sure that happens. You're listening to Yasmin Sheriff and I am Barbara Gunn Mueller. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.